Episode 52 of Flying Podcast found me sat on the deck outside of Melvin's Cafe at Barton Aerodrome. It was a typically beautiful spring evening in Manchester, and if you believe that, you believe anything. The sun was just beginning to set, and the Goodyear blimp was about to depart. They were off to film a football match from overhead uh, for Sky TV at the Etihad Stadium. So I took the opportunity to grab a few minutes with their chief pilot, Mark Finney, before he saw the airship off on its flight. Although it started out as a quiet night, it soon got uh, pretty noisy. The police helicopter was arriving and departing, and then, believe it or not, uh, an army Apache helicopter too, which um, of course never happens at Barton. Anyway, I think the interview turned out okay, despite uh, the noises off. And my first question for Mark was, uh, how did you get into flying blimps? Well, this started about 12 years ago. Um, I had aspirations to uh, fly long haul for Virgin or BA or Cathay, I think like many pilots do. And I had a friend who was um, selling the advertising on the side of these blimps. And uh, I thought I'll do that for a couple of years and that, uh, that might lead to something else. Well, that was 12 years ago, so that's how it started. What sort of licence do you require? Is it uh, a CPL in something specific? Um, for this ship, it's a G-Red ship. Um, I've got a, uh, a UK uh, CPL airship, AS. comes in a little purple book as opposed to a blue and a green one. Um, and I've also got an American um, airship commercial as well. Um, so we got that one first and then I converted to a, new, a UK. So you must enjoy the job if you're still at it after 12 years, but what's your sort of like, uh, your work schedule like? Okay, it's, it's not. It's a... Um, we spend nine months on the road. I've worked in North America, all of Northern Europe, uh, also Australia and India, as well as the Western Canada. So we get around. You must, you must enjoy the travel. So this particular Goodyear blimp is out for the the summer season in the UK. Do you then sort of travel off uh, around the world doing doing, doing, doing this elsewhere or? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Most of our work is um, is summer based because they're a fair weather aircraft. Yeah. So I haven't had a summer holiday for years. Um, so um, luckily, I um, uh, I get I enjoy the winters, so I get lots of time off in the winter. Okay, now what exactly makes a blimp a blimp as opposed to uh, an airship, for example? Right, we have um, well, essentially we're describing it. Um, it's an airship, but airships have three categories. So we have uh, rigids, which is like the uh, the Hindenburg or the R101. Yep. They have a a, a skeleton uh, within which they have various gas bags. There's also a semi-rigid, which is like the Zeppelin NT, which is flying today. And there's a combination of a skeleton structure and uh, just pressure from a, a gas bag. And then the final category, which is ours, is a blimp. And the whole ship keeps its shape purely down to um, pressure of the gas. So once we lose the pressure, uh, we lose the shape. If a girl says to you in a pub, what, what, do, you, what do you do? Do you say a blimp pilot? Or <laughs> I, usually say a, I usually say blimp because uh, we... Um, gets the conversation because most people outside America don't know the term yeah uh, this thing is filled with uh, helium that creates the pressure and there are air filled what they call them ballonets that's correct yes uh, we, well, we use helium uh, inert it has a few problems in the fact that it's expensive hydrogen is of course uh, flammable but this is um, but it's very cheap so anyway because a lot of the history of airships we use helium yeah. um, but inside we have a gas we have a, an airbag which we call, as you say, a ballonet. And we actually pressurise the airbag to pressurise the helium. And this gas bag, the ballonet, uh, because air is free, uh, it fluctuates in size to compensate 
for the volume change in, in helium. So, for example, if we uh, have a hot day, the helium expands. So, um, and so rather than, rather than vent helium, we'll vent the air. And, and tonight, when it gets cold, the helium will shrink and we will pump in air to compensate for the loss. Okay, I, I was going to ask you about exactly how that works, but uh, perhaps you could sort of talk me through a typical flight. So we've sat here on a nice uh, sunny spring evening. You're going off flying tonight. Um, what's involved, first of all, in the planning? You, uh, you said it's very weather-dependent. What are you looking for there, limit-wise? Yeah, well, it's, um, we're a fair-weather aircraft, so we fly VFR. Um, so obviously, do the standard aviation checks, uh, the weather, the NOTAMs, all the fuel, all the, all the, all the sensible um, standard flight planning stuff. The major thing we're looking for is obviously VFR conditions and light winds. Mm -hmm. Um, thunderstorms, thunderstorms and snow don't go down very well with an airship, but obviously tonight it's good. So we've got special permission from uh, Manchester Air Traffic to fly over the game tonight. We're doing the Man City game. And um, once that's all taken care of, all the paperwork and all the planning's done, we've got to compensate, really. The special thing about the aircraft is that we've got to compensate for our ballast, our static weight. The aircraft's got a mass of about two tonnes. Um, but we f we fly heavy. Most people look at the ship and think it's uh, lighter than air. That's not the case. Most of the time we've got a, a static weight of about 100 pounds. So if the engines fail, uh, we, um, we will fall. So we fly the bag. The bag provides lift, provides an envelope. The envelope provides lift, just like a wing. So um, if I had a flight like tonight, we'll take off um, with a certain static uh, limitation. But it's interesting today, we'll, we may not take off as heavy as usual so if we burn let's say 150 pounds of fuel today you would think that we'd take off 150 pounds heavy so when we so when we come back we come back at equilibrium but in, but today we've got we have something in the ship called superheat it's a nice sunny day so this artificially warms the, the helium uh, and this provides extra lift bonus lift but consequently when the sun sets we all of a sudden we lose this um, bonus lift so all of a sudden as soon as the sun sets the ship suddenly gets heavier mm -hmm. So in, in conditions like today, we, um, we may not take off as heavy um, as we would in the middle of the day because we're coming back at night. So it's quite a complex bit of planning you've got to do there. Well, it's, it's not, not really. We, we, um, it's just a question of adding and subtracting uh, uh, weights, really. So we'll, we may burn 150 pounds of fuel, so we may think uh, we'll take off 150 pounds heavy, but then we'll look and see how much superheat we lose. And if we lose, if we lose 150 pounds of superheat, we'll... You know, we won't, we'll take off at equilibrium. So. Do, so the ground crew sort of add ballast whilst you're sort of sat there waiting prior to takeoff. Yes, we've got. Um, t we carry the ballast is 25 pounds uh, of lead shot in little little sacks. Yeah. And uh, these come and go um, prior to ballasting. And what sort of cruise speed altitude you normally fly? Uh, normally between 1,000 and 1,500 feet, and cruise speeds on a transit is about 25 to 30 knots. The ballonets, are they filled and emptied automatically? Uh, not automatically. We, um, we control various um, valves and uh, fans, um, and that's all done from the cockpit. And if you have a, an engine loss, no great problem. You've got two engines. If you have both engines go out, what, what happens then? Uh, if you have the worst-case scenario, we uh, lose both engines. We could become a balloon. And the first thing we'll do is we'll re-ballast the ship. So, as I mentioned earlier, we're usually heavier than air and so we would drop ballast. Um, so we'd, uh, we'd split open our shot bags, which are full of lead shot, and we'd ballast to equilibrium, and then we'd look for a place to land and land it like a balloon. Okay. 
So the typical sort of start-up procedure, they're just aero engines like you'd find on a normal GA aircraft? Yeah, this, uh, this particular aircraft is a Limbach powered, which is the older engine for this aircraft. So we've got um, Limbach 2000s, about 68 horsepower aside, fixed pitch, two-bladed. But we have a, a more modern version of this aircraft, same size, but we've got um, Rotax 912 engines with reverse. And it's uh, better for fuel, uh, better fuel economy, better costs, and we have reverse, which makes them great to fly, and more power, about 72, 73 horsepower. And you have a fair amount of ground crew I can see out there. What do you have in total? Um, for a small ship like this, which is a, the A60+, Plus, we have a total of 13. Um, and the reason we have so many people is that ship is always manned on the mast, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, um, and that is the Achilles heel of airships. It's high manpower um, costs, and therefore, because we travel so much, high hotel costs. Mm -hmm. So we have nine rooms per night, 365 days a year, and that's where the cost comes from. And that's why you don't see many airships around. I was going to ask you that, but let's say, like I saw, I think you were coming up here on the weekend and you, you had some thunder in, in the way, so you diverted to Wolverhampton. Your ground crew, I presume, have to be there before you? So you can land and moor at the mast? Yeah, that's right. We, um, I cannot, well, I can land the aircraft and get out, but then obviously we lose the ship. So the mast must be erect and we have to dock the ship to the mast at, at the end of every day. So, uh, you know, we, we never fly, so we do fly in straight lines, but we're always aware of where the crew is at all times. Um, if they had a traffic jam on the M6, you know, that can ruin my day, you know, and the weather can be great. If the crew aren't there, it's a problem. And you cruise at what, 50 odd mile an hour? Uh, no, uh, the maximum speed's 40 knots, really, um, but we probably cruise at 30. And obviously the wind is a, bit, is a huge problem as well. If I've got a tailwind, you know, I could do, for a perfect tailwind, I could be cruising along with a power back doing 55 knots, but the guys on the ground can't keep up with me. Which, so, in a way, tailwinds are a waste of time, because the guys can't keep up. In, in your cockpit, are your controls very similar to like GA aircraft, or have you got some uh, additional controls? Uh, we've got two different controls. Obviously, with no ailerons, we haven't got a, um, a joystick as such. Uh, left and right are done with pedals, as normal, but for pitch, we use a, a wheel. It looks like you're sitting in a wheelchair, yeah. and you just pitch the nose forward or the nose up by turning the, by turning the, uh, the wheelchair wheels. Um, so those are the, the flying controls throttles, everything else is the same, instrumentation is basically the same. It just we have a couple more dials which monitor the, the pressure of the gas and we have a couple of um, toggles and um, dampers which uh, we change for the pressure. Yeah, I thought I saw something called a manometer, is that, is that measuring gas pressure? Yeah, that measures, that measures the gas pressure, so we, we, we monitor two pressures, the, the helium pressure and the air pressure, and they're both, uh, basically they're the same. Yeah. And your capacity is only a fairly small gondola you've got? Uh, yeah, we've got a uh, seating of for four plus one pilot, total of five. Normally, we can take two passengers and one one pilot. That's about the average. Two two passengers is the average load. And I think I can see as you're going off to the football, you've got a gyro stabilised camera on the outside. Yep, we've got a Cineflex high definition uh, gyro stabilised camera, and uh, this is our bread and butter. Doing television work is is what we do best. Yeah, I was going to ask you what uh, what is the sort of mix of business you do? Is it uh, mostly TV stuff or corporate jollies for Goodyear clients? Um, it's a very basic aircraft. We do take passengers if people want to go flying, um, but it's a bit like um, a Piper Cub in the, uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a good comparison. Um, a lot of people f enjoy flying in Piper Cubs, but you know they're not very, uh, they're not. Wouldn't call them an executive aircraft. So most of the stuff we do is television work. We love to get on television. We'll do anything to uh, expose the client. So I've had the pleasure of seeing most sporting events, from baseball to the Super Bowl, horse racing, golf, cricket, football, and I've done most things.
and it's a great advert for Goodyear, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's their um, it's, a, it's their corporate icon. They've had a blimp. They've had blimps for years. So um, no, it's it's, been, it's always good to fly the uh, Goodyear airship. I noticed one of these crashed last year. Is that not the case? Yes, that yes, that was the case. Um, we're still awaiting the uh, report for that, um, but uh, luckily the passengers were, passengers uh, were um, were saved, um, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, learn something from the investigation. Uh, you've sort of touched on the the future of uh, of lighter than air craft. I always thought there was a great future for these things, but uh, you were saying that just the cost of operation is is a limiting factor. Well, the cost. Is 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 high because of the manpower. Now, reducing the manpower would make them cheaper to run. Um, so, really, for small ships like this, this is a, a niche market, I think. Yeah. But it's, there are some interesting developments going on at the moment. Some of the um, there are some very large aircraft being inflated at the moment, and they're uh, mainly for surveillance work for the military. But one of these aircraft may be developed for cargo work, uh, particularly when there's no infrastructure. So, places like northern Canada. Uh, they're being uh, thought of as, a, as an answer to a transport problem. Is that like the hybrid air vehicles that's uh, been developed in the Midlands? Exactly, that's uh, HAV, the hybrid air vehicle, which has got a very interesting con- concept of two traditional blimps stuck together. And uh, it um, gets even more lift because they've got a, a larger lifting surface. So it's a very interesting development, and that will hopefully fly soon. After our chat outside the cafe, we wandered over to the aircraft to take a closer look at the envelope and inside the gondola. As Mark mentioned, the gondola is uh, pressurised by pumping air into the ballonets, and this is done with a small but uh, noisy engine, uh, which is mounted on the back of the gondola, uh, hence the racket in the background sounding like someone uh, mowing the lawn nearby. As we approached the blimp, which is tethered by its nose to the mooring mast, uh, it was wafting around in the breeze a couple of feet off uh, off the ground in the air. And it sort of lives just off the ground like this? Is that, yeah, that's, that's its normal, in a normal condition, yeah. I like to keep it buoyant. Very, very, uh, what's the word? Susceptible to even the lightest breeze, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, these can go on their nose on the mast, which is quite dramatic, but it's perfectly normal particularly when it's hot and thermally. If they catch them in thermals, yeah. they'll just get picked up. And this setup, you can see the ship, it's docked onto the top of the red and white mast with all the cables. This will um, survive 80 knots. Yeah. So it's a, really, it's a very strong system. It doesn't look it, but it's very strong. Is it possible to have a look inside? Sure, you? yeah, let's have a look. The gondola. So you just push it down to get the, uh, yep. the steps? On the go. Ah, it is very similar to uh, GA, isn't it? Yeah, very, very similar to GA, GA. Um, just they've got no joystick, really. That's the thing that's, that sticks out the most. And this big thing over here, is this something to do with the camera? Or the, uh, yeah, the this, we, uh, software? We, we install this, um, uh, the, the camera equipment, and every time for a football game, and then we'll take it out tonight before we transit down to Essex tomorrow. So this is, this is just a, a one-off addition uh, when we fly the camera very uh, utilitarian in here isn't it I was expecting something like uh, a Zeppelin you know with a smoking room and yes it's a very basic it's a sort of a it's, a it's a series one Land Rover of the skies really that's all it is but it's very good at what it does you know it's um, it's uh, it brought the cost down of airships um, when this first came out in the late 80s early 90s and um, it proved a very cost-effective uh, platform because a lot of the older ships were, were even more expensive to run so when you go flying like tonight when you go flying over the Etihad, is it just a single pilot operation? Yeah, single pilot operation tonight with one cameraman for um, for the whole game. 
still stood alongside the gondola, I next asked Mark uh, what were the best, most memorable flights he'd ever undertaken in this aircraft, and uh, asked him how someone would go about becoming a blimp pilot. Well, I must admit, I've covered all the sporting events for the UK to mention, really. But probably the most rewarding flying I've done, um, cities-wise, Rome and Manhattan are probably the most fantastic um, places to fly over. Um, as for flying, um, back in 2000, I took one of these ships to Kosovo, and uh, unbelievably or not, we flew an ultra-wideband synthetic synthetic aperture radar. Actually, <laughs> it's a mouthful anyway. It looked like a fridge, and we fixed it to the front of the ship, and it was a grand penetrating radar, and, the, and we tried to um, find some of the mines that were left after the conflict. What's that guy doing inside there? He's got like uh, Joyce, he's the camera operator. He's, a, he's our cameraman, yep. He, he'll, he'll come for every camera event and he, from that control panel he'll control um, all aspects of the camera. What a cracking job, eh? Yeah, not bad. No. So if somebody wanted to be uh, a blimp pilot, how do they go about it? Okay, we like stick pilots or helicopter pilots because they're uh, used to low level flying. Um, they've got to love to travel. Um, if they've got a commercial license, all the better. Um, when I started, I was lucky enough to have a relatively low hours, about six or seven hundred hours. So I had a, a UK commercial fixed wing um, and also an American commercial fixed wing. Um, and so we know if they've got a good aviation background, that's also a help. We've also had some military pilots, helicopter pilots in the past. Um, and that's, um, that's how you start, really. Uh, we would train you. Um, probably give you an American license first, blimp license, and then, then do a conversion to a UK license. Um, but that is, um, that would probably take six months to a year, and, we'd, and we would want return of service um, to get our monies back, probably okay. about three or four years. Okay. As the airship prepared to leave Barton for its trip out over the Etihad Stadium in Manchester, it started its engine run-up procedure. At this point, Mark and I... Uh, uh, retired to uh, a safe distance and I asked him uh, what a typical landing involved. Let's go. One of the um, aspects of landing the aircraft, we have no brakes, so no brakes on the wheels and no reverse. Um, so when we come to land, we're uh, landing towards um, eight ground crewmen, so we're landing a two-ton aircraft towards um, eight guys on the ground. Uh, one of the propellers will be off, acting as an air brake. So, essentially, as we slow down, we lose controllability. The slower we go, the less effective the control surfaces are. So it's a very subtle balance between too fast and too slow, so that as we lose controllability from the, um, from the control surfaces, we gain controllability from the ground crew, who then stop the airship. As the aircraft was uh, gently floated out onto one of the runways at Barton by the ground crew, I finally asked Mark uh, where this blimp would be flying during the course of this coming year. Does this aircraft, the spirit of safety, stay in Europe or just the, uh, the UK? Last year this aircraft operated all over Europe. Uh, we went to Italy, Spain, France and back to the UK. This year we're just staying in the UK and we're going to finish the tour with, by covering the Olympics for NBC. Oh, perfect. So you'll be getting to watch all the Olympics for free? I hope so. <laughs> well, a big thanks to Mark Finney, Chief Pilot of the Goodyear Blimp, for taking a few minutes out of his busy schedule to appear on the podcast.
I'd always thought uh, it would be one of the best flying jobs around, being an airship pilot, something I'd, I'd always thought would be a, a great job to have. But I hadn't really thought about uh, the fact that they spend much of the year, from spring to autumn, out on the road. Uh, it seems that all but one of the crew is single. So if you've got no ties, fancy a job cruising around the skies in nice weather, and are prepared to sign up for several years, then maybe being a blimp pilot is for you. Incidentally, Mark isn't just the chief pilot, he also sorts out the logistics for the blimp and the pilot in charge on each operation is responsible for the ground crew and equipment, not just the flying element. I'll add the contact details for the Goodyear Blimp guys onto the Flying Podcast website. Uh, they're on the web, Twitter and of course Facebook, so you'll be able to see uh, what they're up to and uh, check their flying schedule. To all of you that have sent me emails regarding the podcast, thanks very much. It's great to receive your comments and uh, it does make it all worthwhile to hear that you're uh, enjoying the podcasts, uh, so do please keep them coming. Well, that's it for another episode of Flying Podcast. As I say, please send me an email with your comments or thoughts and ideas for future episodes. The email address is steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Speak to you again soon.